Hey Warriors, Sarah here. I'm just dropping in to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amy is not available right this minute, but we decided together that this just couldn't wait for us to be together again. So I'm on here to just say we are so appreciative of you all. We have made it onto the ballot of Best of the Berg for 2021 here in Pittsburgh, PA, which is a really big deal in Pittsburgh. If you're from here, you know that uh, Best of the Berg is like, you know, it's like getting the Heisman Trophy. I think that's a good thing. I'm not really into sports, but I have heard, you know, that around some places in the sports bars, if you will. <laughs> anyway, we're just so thankful for you that we cannot say it enough. So um, it's just such exciting news, such exciting news. So what we want you to do is go to pittsburghmagazine.com and go under entertainment and leisure and vote for us. There's a podcast section and we are on there. Go ahead and vote every single day, which you can do. And yeah, hopefully we will be best of the Berg. Oh my God. Um, and it, we wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys because you are our warrior squad. Ooh, ooh. So with growth comes changes. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a change here for production reasons and um, the time that it takes to produce a beautiful episode for you guys to enjoy. We're going to be moving our drop days to Thursdays. So you'll have something to look forward to at the end of your week. It'll give you a nice little wind down to Friday, Junior. And we're going to be doing something fun for you today which is another veer off of the unqualified therapist's road. We're going to give you a bonus episode that was part of our Patreon page. So this is what our VIP fan club Patreon warriors get to do is they get extra content. So we're going to give you a little taste of what that is like so that you can see the kind of things that you can expect by becoming a fan on our uh, Patreon page. To do that, you're going to go to patreon.com slash unqualified therapist sync. Now, get ready, grab your popcorn, grab your wine, Sit back and relax, because you're about to hear a murder. <laughs> hey, this is Amy. And this is Sarah. And you're joining us for a very different version of <laughs> Unqualified Therapists or Unqualified Detectives, project oh my god i'm so excited i'm really excited too <laughs> um so yeah a little full disclosure sarah, sarah and i um if what well, we talk about all the time so we love true crime <laughs> it's part of our therapy yes it is i know that doesn't sound nor i don't know what that does, what's normal right but it doesn't sound like it would be something that would bring your anxiety down. But for some reason, <laughs> when I'm like super, super anxious mm -hmm. and nothing's working, like a good murder. Yeah. 
does it for me. It just straight does it. I think it's because I can look at these people and be like, well, at least I'm not as crazy as these people. <laughs> at least I didn't mud anyone. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, it has made me a lot more aware, I will say this mm-hmm. much, of my surroundings. Um, I do think there's always like little side notes that our girls at Morbid like to say, you mm-hmm. know, about like, 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 don't fucking leave your door unlocked. Right, right. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you live. Don't or... open windows. They're always saying fresh air is for dead people. Exactly. <laughs> Lock your car immediately. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Don't sit in your car. Go. Yeah, you know? I do that so much. Yeah. I'll sit in my car for a while. No, I don't. Murderers. I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And part of me is that, like, my dream is to be, like, a PI. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just really, I, like, wish I could skip the whole police thing and just go to detective. So, I think that you can. What? There was somebody on a, a, (laughs) okay, yes. Go ahead, judgments begin. I am on a fan page of True Crime, and there is somebody on there on Facebook who said that they've started looking up the requirements to become a detective, and that it doesn't have to involve the police academy. Now she might not be from, oh wow, even America, you know, right? But so we'll have to look into it. But she's she's like 23. She's just coming out of school, oh and her family is like pushing her to do real estate because she's got yeah. like the license and you know, good money. And mm-hmm. so her family's like super pushing that. She's like, I, I want to follow my heart. I think I'm just going to dive in and do it. And everybody was like, yes, do it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I just love digging into what these people like mm-hmm. trying to understand them. Yeah. Um, and mysteries and things like that. The first podcast, well, the original podcast that my, Scott and I were going to do was on a um, very mysterious situation where a college student went missing at Ohio State. Oh. Um, basically, very, very, I know, like, all the details because I did all the research. Yeah. But, like, very long story short, he goes into a bar and doesn't come out on the security cameras. Whoa. Yeah. And so, his name's Brian. And he, there's just so many things, you know, we all had our theories as to, like, where he went or what happened to him. But... I found that to be fascinating to go down and do that research ourselves. And um, Scott actually talked to the PI Whoa, multiple cool. times. We have um, that on on tape. And so hearing his, like, off the record mm-hmm. hunches was mm-hmm. also fascinating. Like, this shit just fascinates me. Like, yeah. I'm sad it happens to anyone. I don't, want, I don't want any of this to happen to anybody. Yeah. But there's something about solving a crime or solving a mystery that is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it taps into like our anxiety because it's giving you something to put the pieces together. Oh, maybe. Make know, sense of like something, po- yeah, right? Yeah, to make sense of something. Like to make, when you can't make sense of the mess of the world, yeah. like you're like, okay, well, I'm going to make sense of this. Like, right. this is why they did this. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like a random act of violence. Yeah. When it very much could be. When I don't know why somebody did something, it drives me insane. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Israel Keys? Yeah. So he, like, never said why he did any of it. Now, you can cut this out if you want. Yeah. Was he the one that went all over the country, like, mm-hmm. on road trips? Like, he was, like, on the road salesman yeah. or something? Yeah. And very. He didn't really have, like, a, a type. No. Right? It was very, like... Men, okay. women, yes. different. Yes. yes. And he also, like, 
he would bury murder kits. Yes, years in advance. He was so planned. Yes, and then he would go. He would fly to that place again, and then yes, dig up the murder years kit that he later. Had. Yep, like he had patience. Oh, that's insane. But he that's had a regular, scary. absolute regular life at home. Yeah, wife. I think a daughter. Yeah, just normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't understand that one. Sure don't. Well, so yeah. You want yeah. to tell them what, what we're going to be talking well, about? today is a doozy. Mm-hmm. And um, I had actually not heard of this, which is interesting because, just like she said, do you have you heard of Israel Keys? Like, we know most of the cases from mm-hmm. listening to My Favorite Murder and Morbid and Criminal. And interestingly enough, Morbid did do this story a long time, a while yeah, back. A year or two. Yeah. But none of the other ones had when I went trying to dig for it. And so I had not heard of this, but this was something that Sarah had heard of and thought to be interesting specifically for February. Mm-hmm. We were talking about <laughs> love. Um, anyways, it's so romantic. It's so <laughs> romantic to rape and murder together. Oh, so these are the Ken and Barbie killers. Yes. Uh, Paul Bern- Bernardo. Bernardo. I just want to make sure I'm saying it right. And Carla Homolka. Mm-hmm. Yes. And their story is fascinating, and Sarah's been researching it longer than me, but from what I did over the past week was found everyone had a different thing to yes. say about it. So there's a lot of inconsistencies. So Sarah's going to kind of go through the timeline of what happened with these two, and I'll throw in like anything that I found that maybe contradicts that. Yeah. Yeah, so d- disclaimer... There's tons of sources out there that all say something different. Oh, this is not necessarily <laughs> the real story yeah. because I don't think that you can say that because I think each no. each person who does the story says it a little differently mm-hmm. and, I, and I really don't think we know. No, I don't think we do either. So I'll tell you what my sources were. Um, I watched Snapped, uh, Killer Couples. Okay. Uh, if you want to watch the episode, it's season three. I think it's like the third to last episode. Uh-huh. Um, so that was one of them. I My other source is the Canadian Encyclopedia on their case with that. And then Murderpedia is my other source. Yeah, because these people were Canadian, and I just felt like nothing bad ever came out of Canada. So Same. Very, very, very <laughs> saddened and disheartened to hear this. I know, um, too. Canada is just like, you know. I know. Well, do you remember <laughs> South Park episode, Plain Canada? <laughs> no. I didn't terrible. Want, I don't like South Park. Uh, well, it was not a good song for Canada. So Canadians, right. I, I apologize. And I'm sure that our Canadian listeners, oh my listeners are probably like, I'm so sick of this story. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. But I mean, maybe like you have a perspective too, because yeah. I swear you have like one murder. Yeah. Like I swear Canada's like, we have this one story <laughs> that they keep fucking beating like a dead horse, you know, like, yeah. well, sorry. Because nothing bad comes out of Canada. Nothing. Um, and this is, yeah, like I said, first time I'd heard of it. So even if you're a fan of murder, you may have not heard of these two. Yes. Lovely beings. So let's dig into these peeps. Let's do it. I'm going to start with Paul Bernardo. He was born in August, of, uh, August 27th of 1964 in Toronto, Canada. So he's a Virgo like me, which freaks me out a little bit. Is that a, is that a serial killer sign? I don't. You know what? I don't know. I don't know either. I should know that. We should know, though. Because but, that's mm-hmm. my son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should know. Because think... I'm in a closet with her once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I should have looked 
that up. <laughs> I think Gemini is because they are like known for their dual personalities. Great. Mike's going to murder me. Oh, awesome. No, he's a Gemini. <laughs> Oh my god. I said that because I knew Amy wasn't a Gemini, but I am not. I did not think that about Mike being a Gemini. Yeah, great. Whatever. I think you're safe. I think. I think. I really know. So he was born into a wealthy family, but it was a very dysfunctional family. His mom was named Marilyn. She was raised in a stable household. But his dad, Ken, um, was raised also in a well to do household, but he was abused as a child. So Marilyn and Ken found each other, got married. They had a son and a daughter. And then Marilyn began to have an affair with a former boyfriend. And out of that affair, she became pregnant and had Paul. Right. So he's not the biological child of his dad. However, Ken decided to tolerate the affair and they listed Ken as the biological father on the birth certificate. So he is listed Mm -hmm. as his father. In 1975, Ken, Paul's dad was charged with child molestation yeah. when he fondled a little girl. Yeah. He also sexually abused his own daughter. Yeah. That is one thing I... Not that I can understand any other crime, but, like, molestation in general, period, of children blows my mind. But when they're your own flesh and blood children, that I can't even Mm-mm. begin to comprehend how that happens. No. No. Yeah, he was a drunk, too. Yeah, yes. Um, And he was, you know, he sexually abused his own daughter. He abused, he yelled. He He was very abusive to the mom. Um, I think now would probably be the time to tell you my little tidbit about Paul, which I believe had something to do with his future. Um, His tongue was fused to the bottom of his mouth. Yeah, and I didn't know that. Um, Which means he couldn't talk until he was five when he had this minor surgery. So he grunted and would like get pissed and like throw fits because he could not verbalize. Yeah. And and what I had read is that he was a good boy because he couldn't talk. Ah. And and so, you know, later on in life he talks about communication being his downfall that he couldn't communicate. Well, I mean, you know, he went through speech therapy, he got it fixed, but that's that's those are some formidable years. Mm-hmm. To not be able to have a communication. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When all, that is all children are basically learning to do at that right. point. For the first five years of their life is to communicate. So. Wow. That's Amy's fun fact. <laughs> There's nothing fun about it. No, I'm just saying no. that I added something to this shit. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, so Marilyn, Paul's mom became depressed over her husband's abuse and she began to withdraw and live in their basement and not come up. And Paul was 11 when this happened. That's so I didn't catch that. Yeah. Um, the older children were really upset by all the turmoil that was going on in the house, but everyone said that Paul seemed to be completely unfazed, like completely unaffected by any of it. Probably because he couldn't talk. Yeah. Well, he was 11, so Uh-oh. he could by then. Yeah. But like... He was probably I, so, like, traumatized from... Both of our kids are 11. Can you imagine... No. ...either of them being completely unaffected by, like... I don't know. No. No. I don't know. I still think that there's something about not being able to vocalize... Yeah. ...your needs and your thoughts that made him just yeah. become um, disassociated, almost. So there's another reference here. I didn't read this book, but I did take a quote from 
uh, Nick Prawn was featured on the Snapped episode, and he authored a book called The Lethal Marriage. So in his description, he talks about Paul as a child, that he was the child that all other parents wanted. Now, that makes a lot of sense now that I know that his tongue was fused and he couldn't speak. So parents were probably like, oh, he's a nice, quiet little boy, little boy. And they said he was polite, well-mannered, adorable, Mm -hmm. and did well, really well in school. Um, So this is where I think it started to go down even further downhill. His mom and he and his mom had an argument Mm -hmm. when he was 16. Yes, that's what I had to. And she like, this is so fucked up. She got pissed and then threw at him like your dad's not your dad. I had an affair with this guy and that's who your dad is. And like that was her method of arguing with him. Yeah. But also to her defense, Paul was just as abusive as the dad mm. now. Mm. He was So mimic- do you think they were having like he a was physical mimi- argument? He was no, I think uh verbally abusive. Mm. Mm-hmm. He was mimicking the way that the dad talks to her. I see. And so I would think that like you know, you see your son, he's completely out of control at this point. He's being like your douchebag husband. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? Fuck off. That's not even your dad. Mm-hmm. And then Paul's like upset and I'm like, you should be happy that like your dad isn't a douchebag. Right. Right. Like, he, he, oh, your dad's not a molester. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. be happy. But instead. Right. He's all pissed off. It takes a turn. And he starts calling his mom a slob mm-hmm. and a whore. So this is where it it kind of like, because I always think about nature versus nurture. Yeah. This was nurture. I mean, it was a little bit of nature now that now that I know about his tongue. Yes. But I think that also it could be nurture because of the way it was handled within the family. Yeah. And that he was seen as this good little boy for not talking and communicating. So it's both, it's kind of both, but then being raised by that man and acting just like him. That's, yeah, mimicking everything yeah, he does. It's so nurture. Because he doesn't come from him. He has no biological attachment <laughs> to him whatsoever. True that. Yep. Yep. Um, so Paul still did well. He graduated from Sir Wilfred Laurier Collegiate Institute. Mm, <laughs> fancy. Yes. And he began to work for Amway. So he was, like, obsessed with their yes. sales techniques. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. And he bought books on, and tapes uh, of motivational speakers and get-rich-quick experts. And then he would use those same methods to pick up women in bars. Uh, yeah. And people <laughs> fell for it. Because at this point, he's very good looking. Mm-hmm. Well, what did they to call some standards. On Morbid, they called him like a washed up sync member or something <laughs> with frosted tips. <laughs> So I think now would be a good time to mention one of the things that I read that I don't know if it's true or not. Okay. But that he was like a failed vanilla ice. (laughs) (laughs) And he wanted to be a white rapper. And he was like obsessed with rap music and specifically obsessed with vanilla ice. And he would quote vanilla ice all the time. You know what? He kind of looks like vanilla ice. (laughs) But he has like the 90s grunge hair though. Do you know what I mean? Like it falls. Maybe he pulled it up. Like he like Holly yeah. it up to be vanilla. <laughs> ice, ice, baby. Like when they said he quoted vanilla ice, I'm like, what is he going around and saying? Stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh jeez. Please don't go around quoting vanilla ice. That's not gonna get you anywhere good. Alright, Paul. 
Hey, Paul. Yeah. So, so yeah, he was taking those women home with his sales techniques he learned yes. from Amway. Thank you, Amway. Um, Amway is, um, mentioned in that, remember that documentary, that docuseries on, um, Nexium? Nexium. Yeah. Is, is mentioned in there. It's, I wonder if Amway Amway's did, a cult. I wonder if saying. Amway did a lot of, like, psychological research on how to yeah. convert people. Right. Wow. That's, that's interesting. And how much of Amway fucked him even more then? Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Ugh. So by the time he graduated university, he'd become abusive to the women he dated, mm-hmm. and he had fun by beating them up at home and then humiliating them in public. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. He's so cool. Yeah. My dad used to be like, he gets the what a guy award. I wish he was mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was then he began a career at like a top tier accounting firm in Toronto, so he was kind of a big deal. Hmm. <laughs> Wanted that money. Yes. Do you have anything else on Paul's like childhood or background? Um, Paul was obsessed with American Psycho. Mm. He was supposed supposedly it was like his Bible. Um, <laughs> I have never made it through the entire movie. It's so upsetting to me. I've watched it all the way through, and it's um, fucked up. Scott read the book as well, mm-hmm. which he said is even more fucked up. Mm. So it is. You know, it's really interesting because there's so much about Paul that is, like, that main character. Yeah. It's almost like he, like, based his, like, life after mm-hmm. him. His personality and stuff. Yeah. Good old Paul is winning women over with his Amway and Ice Ice Baby techniques. <laughs> <laughs> and that just wasn't enough for him, you know, um, telling them that they're horrible and pieces of shit and beating them up. So, he becomes the Scarborough Rapist. Well, isn't that just a lovely isn't name? Isn't that just lovely? I mean, for five years, this is pre-Carla, mm-hmm. 19, and that's all we know about, rapes. Before he met her. Before he met her. Oh, right? And that's kind of where my, like, why I was hesitant with Carla. Right. Because right? I'm like... Motherfucker came in having 19 rapes under his mm-hmm, belt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he is, and he really did get out of it. Like, he was, he was questioned. Yeah. And the fucker just like. Yeah. He charmed his way out of it. Yeah, completely. So, so yeah, so that was something that happened for five long years before meeting Carla in 1987. Yes. So I'm going to talk about Carla. And to be honest, I couldn't find a lot about her as a child, which is upsetting because she's the one, she's that loose end where it's, it's like, was she as involved as Paul says she was, or was she as uninvolved as she says she was? There's a lot to Carla, mm-hmm. um, from what we've read and what we watched in her mm-hmm. few interviews. So go ahead. Yeah. Carla Homolka was born on May 4th, 1970, in Port Credit, Ontario. She's the eldest of three dollars. She's the eldest of three daughters, Carla, Lori, and Tammy. But she was especially close to her little baby sister, Tammy. During her early years, she was known to be bossy with her friends. Yes. She loved animals and loved to read. And at the age of 12, she began reading The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and became obsessed with true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, which <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with. At all. (laughs) Um, Examples, Amy and Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
As she got older, she became more daring with friends. She enjoyed scaring them, so she would have fun, like, freaking her friends out. She hmm. loved the spiritual world, and she would get her friends together to call spirits. I did. Yes, I read yeah. that. You go, girl. But I kind of want to do that myself, so I can't say anything bad oh, about no. that. Oh, no. No, do that with a different friend. Yeah, but I, I just <laughs> love that they throw these things in, like, oh, the signs were there. But guys, how many of you sat down with Ouija boards with your I friends did. at sleepovers yeah. and and played with it? And I mean, we, when we say bossy about women, we say that those are leaders. Leaders. And those are, you know, we we really don't like that word bossy because that's what any woman who takes charge is called. So yeah. I don't really feel like these are signs like at telltale all. Signs, no. Right. Now, I do think it's some shit when she threw her friend's pet hamster I had across the room. You had out the, out the window, window is what I read. Yeah. And killed it. Mm-hmm. This lover of animals, Carla. Yeah. Because Homolka. it's mentioned that <laughs> it's mentioned everywhere that she loves animals. Like that is one consistent thing across the board. And yeah. then there's this story of her just taking her friend's hamster and fucking either throwing it across the room or throwing it out the window, whatever source you're looking at. Fun, fun times. So, in high school, she was known as the nonconformist and liked to experiment experiment with sex and drugs. Again, I feel like most teenagers right. are either, they're either, like, in the conforming crowd or they're nonconformists. And they're either experimenting with drugs and sex or they're experimenting with other shit. Like, your teenage years are the times to do that. I am not glorifying Carla. I am not saying... Like anything, all I'm saying is the examples that they're using to show how she was molded as a child seem to be very normal examples to me. Well, so she has a boyfriend. I forget his name. On Morbid, they call him Vanilla something because, do you remember? Anyways. Is that Paul they're calling Vanilla Ice? Oh, no, 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 no. Like Vanilla as in like the way he has sex. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. And so her first time is with this guy. Wait. Doug or something? Doug. Yes. It's a hundred percent Doug. It's like vanilla Doug. <laughs> so um, Carla is not um, happy with that. Yeah. She feels as though like I mean, how does this girl already have like this kink? I don't know. But right. she wants something more. Um, she is bored with that. She feels like it is not at all doing it for her. So that's again back to nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Was her nurture poor not in anything that i could find but it seems like a child who takes a hamster and throws it to kill it that's something inside of you if you haven't had anything right and which i couldn't find and like and then why is this desire at such a young age without having any other experiences to be in such a relationship where you're like abused yeah sexually right something that turns you on i don't know that you, or something that you need and don't even know. I, I'm just speculating that it's it. I don't yeah. know. It's just something that she wanted and needed. Oh. Yeah. So so Carla, Carla's not coming to the table here, you know, clean as a whistle either. No. No, no. Um, so, yeah, her love of animals brought her to start working at a pet clinic while she was still mm-hmm. in high school. So just keep that in mind. In October of 1987, she went to Toronto for a vet convention. And that night, she went out for dinner at a bar restaurant, and that is where she met 23-year-old Paul Bernardo. Yes. So it was October of 1987. This is how it all began. 
Paul was 23 and Carla was 17. Mm-hmm. The second they saw each other, their sexual yes. attraction was immediate. Mm-hmm. And so they, according to what I looked read, she invited him up to her room. And that was like every source I read. Okay. Was that she was the... I that I think that's what I read as well. Instigator. And it was almost immediately. Like yes. they'd known each other like 10 minutes. Yes. Like almost right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go up to her room and they have what was described as, quote, in killer couples, quote, ferocious sex. Yes, it is much um, less vanilla. Yeah. And much more, apparently, Carla's style. And it makes Paul so fucking happy. Yeah. So they're both like, hallelujah. Let's get married. Let's get married because Mm -hmm. this is the shit I've been looking for. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Paul was completely enamored with her because she, unlike the other women he dated, she encouraged his dark desires, and she liked the sadistic behavior. Right, and if I if I read the correctly, they immediately became master slave. Like, oh, did they? Mm-hmm. So who was the master? Him? Oh yeah. Oh man. I mean, I was just curious. Like, it could have been her, but I know you. I know. See, I know. I know you think that Carla was behind all of this. I think Paul. I do. A fucker. <laughs> So I obviously don't, um, I don't think Carla's an angel, but they immediately took over the master slave, like, and it, it carried outside of the bedroom as well. Mm, yuck. And that's kind of how this all plays out. Mm. And I suppose how, you know, she tries to get out of it. They kept calling her, her the victimizer and victim. Yes. I, I saw that several places. Over and over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to sprinkle in here, because we are a mental health podcast, kind of the things, our our opinions on things, because, like Amy said, she thinks Paul's a fucker, and I think that she's the instigator. Mm-hmm. So here's what I found, find interesting, is that, and I kind of want to change my answer only purely because of my husband's answer, <laughs> because he was, he said something that I could have, like, punched, throat punched him for. He was like, I almost feel bad for him. Because he was a rapist, but he never escalated until he met Carla. And then he met Carla, and everything sat sort of, like, unleashed, and all this shit went down. So, and I was like, you can't feel bad for him. He did those things willingly. Faux show. I mean, 19 rapes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fucking And so, uh, to me, disgusting. a rape is, is, is um, you know... I don't know is how as bad much as the murder, murder because then the person has to live with that yeah, for the rest of their lives. Them. You've killed them essentially. Essentially, yeah. you've killed them. You so... killed their spirit. So yeah, they were instantly obsessed with one another. There was an intense sexual attraction. They acted upon it that night, and they just like went at it all the time. Um, they began dating, and she brought him home to meet everyone. And he was immediately taken with her family, and as they was their family yes. immediately taken with yes. him. And he wooed them, mm-hmm. and he bought them gifts, and he schmoozed. He probably he... got him Amway. I know. Because <laughs> Amway had, like, a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's some Amway perfume. It smells like lemon and pledge. <laughs> and a vacuum cleaner. And a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's our new mother's gift basket. <laughs> he was particularly enamored with Carla's younger sister, Tammy. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting is that he would buy Tammy gifts, but he would also buy Tammy's friends gifts. So he was like kind of grooming these young girls that were 15 years oh, old. Yeah, surely. To love him. He's this 23 year old 
quote handsome man. Washed up in sync. Yes, washed tips. Frosted tips. Vanilla ice mm-hmm. wannabe. That naturally was so sexy to these fifteen-year-olds. Mm-hmm. But yes, when an older guy like that pays attention yeah. to you at that age, yeah, for sure, you perk up. I think he had a fancy car or something too. I think so. Yeah. So this is where he becomes um, bored. With Carla. Yeah, he spends weekends there in St. Catherine with her and her family. And he would go back to Toronto during the week to go to work. And he eventually moved in with Carla into the basement bedroom. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah, so he moved into the family house. So he was there with the whole family. And he just started to get bored with Carla because Carla wasn't a virgin when she met him. That's what it was right there. And Because he just Vanilla was, Doug took it away. Yeah, he just wasn't into that. He was not into He was into very, it. very pissed that he did not take her virginity. Yes. But he kind of tries to perk up that boredom, and he proposes to Carla, and she says yes. So they're engaged, and now that they're engaged and betrothed to one another, <laughs> obviously she owes him something. Obviously. <laughs> Please note the sarcasm. I'm not being serious. Um, major sarcasm, because yes. that's all we do. Yes. Um, so, yeah, he he's he proposes. She's happy. The whole family is so happy. But then he starts talking to Carla, and he says, You know, babe, like, I'm just, I'm just sad that I didn't get to take your virginity. And it, like, is really hurting me, and it's affecting my relationship with you. And, like... Tammy is just, I mean, she's she's still a virgin, and it's almost like being with you. And I would get to, like, take your virginity by taking Tammy's virginity. Like, let's do this together. So Carla, and this is just one source, so I couldn't find this anywhere else. One source says that Carla tries to, like, satiate him by saying, Okay, listen, I'm going to get you into good position outside of her window... And you can watch her undress and get ready for the shower. And then you can pleasure yourself while she's doing that. And she, yeah, she left the blind open. Yes. In the room. Mm-hmm. But I did read that she really was against this. Yes. But she, this was like her thing to say like, okay, I'm going to let you do this. Maybe this will make you yeah. be okay then. Right. And we but won't it's have not to like go through with anything else. she jumped in immediately and was like, yeah, that's a great idea, Paul. Right, right. So she does this, he gets to see her, and then Paul says, oh, I mean, that was that was great and everything, but it's just not the same. So he's talking to her, and this is, you know, where you could argue both ways. Yep. Does she have it in her to just be like, okay, let's assault and rape and sodomize my sister? Or does she have to be, like, finessed into it? And I'm just, like, so... I am so taken by this thought process of do two killers find each other or does one person bring out something in the other person that they didn't know that they could access? Who? You know? Yeah. That's just something I just, if anybody has any insight on that, I would love to hear it. I almost feel like they instigated each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know if either one would have ever murdered alone. Oh, that's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Because he hadn't before. No, I think they both had it in them. Mm. But then, you know, they did it together. But her reasoning for doing it was completely different than his. Yeah. Yep. It was, you know, obsession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To please her master. Right. And to keep him happy. 
I can kind of understand because I was in like an abusive, an emotionally and verbally abusive relationship. I can understand somebody else making you feel like you are absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. And like you doing things that you would never do. Like I have never done before him and have never done since. That's, that's why. And I like, again, Carla is her own entity of screwed up. Okay. Cause even after him, there's stuff that happens with her that I'm like, what? But I still feel that he had some role in really fucking like confusing her and gaslighting her and, and, and only giving her love if. Ah, okay. Cause that she wrote so, there was in the articles, it was so much about like, he, he need, like for her, for she wanted his love so badly mm-hmm. that she said, I'll get you all the virgins. Oh, I see. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. But I also think like when I look at pictures of her, yeah. her eyes are so yeah. dead. Like she's yeah. just vacant back there. There's no emotion. Like her smile doesn't reach her eyes. When you cover like her nose and mouth, you wouldn't be able to tell if she was mm-hmm. smiling or not. Whereas mm-hmm. like if you were to smile, Amy, and I, you had your mouth and nose covered, like if you were wearing a face I mask, I, I mask, would still yeah. know you were smiling. Yeah. Um, oh, look, it's so beautiful right there. <laughs> so I just think that's so crazy and like creepy. And so that's another like nature thing. Is there something just like not right there, but maybe she wouldn't have done anything if she hadn't met him. I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, that could go down a whole other path of like, yes. are we all capable? Yeah. Ooh. Shadow, if, our shadow self. If we have the right person. When I say right, I don't mean right. I mean, like if, if we the, have the person who's yeah. going to. Trigger that, that and bring that out. I, jeez. The only possibility that I could ever think in my mind for harming another human being is self-defense or if somebody fucks with my kids. Yeah. That's it. I can't think of another circumstance where I would just be like out of pleasure. Like, right. Ugh. Right. And for <laughs> Paul, it was very pleasurable. Yes. So. I don't think that Carla got pleasure out of it. You don't. Not at all. I know they said on the videos it looks like mm-hmm. she does. I think she's acting for him. Now, guys, this is my opinion. Yeah. Sarah has a different too. opinion. Um, and no one knows the truth. So no, only Carla. And this Paul. is just my hunch is that she's not a good person, but I think that she was not getting pleasure out of it. I think she was only getting pleasure out of trying to keep Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I I can understand that. Yeah. Like, I can actually relate to that, too. Being someone that you're not to keep the person that you're either infatuated with, in yes. love with, obsessed with, whatever. I mean, that feeling of, like, I will die myself uh-huh. if this person doesn't love me and want me and be with me. Right. That's probably where she was at. Whew. So that leads us to this first story that Sarah's going to tell us. And this is probably, they're all upsetting, but this one mm-hmm. cuts deep. So on December 24th, Christmas Eve, the Homolka family had a Christmas party. The family ate and drank. They had a great time together. Later in the evening, Carla and Paul said they went downstairs. And unfortunately, they found her younger sister, Tammy, passed out with vomit on her face. They called 911. Um, They were unable to revive her, and she was pronounced dead at the hospital later. The couple told police that she had snuck alcohol and drank too much and passed out and then choked on her own vomit. Um, When they discovered her, they immediately called for an ambulance. 
So in an effort to start their lives and move on because they're newly engaged and they had this wedding starting to be planned, Carla and Paul moved into a home in Port Delusi together and they wanted to start fresh and Carla dove into planning their wedding as a distraction from the tragedy that her family had faced with her sister's death. What she didn't know was that Paul had already begun raping and committing assaults before they became involved. So this is what Amy was talking about earlier as mm-hmm. a Scarborough rapist. So in the research that I found, the Scarborough rapist committed up to 24 rapes throughout the area. And like you said, 19 of those were right. prior to him meeting Carla. Right. <clears throat> so his method was, his MO was he would wait at bus stops for women to get off the bus and then he would follow them home and he'd wait for them to either almost get into their house or he liked to rape outside he did and he would rape them in their fucking parents yards yep yep front porch yard backyard front porches yards backyards front yards whatever Mm -hmm. there was one woman who was couldn't get into her house she was locked out of her house she had gone to a friend's viewing and um that had passed away mm-hmm. and she forgot her keys at home so she was locked out of her house and paul approached her and she he was like i'm gonna try to break into some houses around here and she was just like you got a cigarette like kind of like bad girl bad boy type of thing and then he proceeded to attack her I wonder if that's a different girl or the same girl that I read. Like, she was late for her curfew. Oh, I think it was a different one because I think another one was late for her curfew. And they he, must, he, uses, he uses these cigarettes, man, mm-hmm. to get the girls weird. Yeah. Because that's what happened with her. So, as Amy said before, 11 of the rapes? 19. How many? Before? Before he met Carla. Um, sorry. 19. 19. There were 19 rapes before he met her. 19 rapes before he meets Carla. Mm-hmm. But they're, he, they're saying that he committed up to 24 rapes throughout the area. So once the police knew the MO of the rapist was to wait for women to get off a bus, they decided to like stake it out, but they put one cop on the yeah. detail. Oh, so they stuck this poor one oh, guy. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know how things run down here. Yeah, because they're, they're like, whoa, people murder people? What's happening? Why, why would you do that, eh? <laughs> and we're all like, kill everybody because, you know, they said I was stupid. We're like the damn purge Ugh, down here. Disgusting down here. We love you nice people in Canada. <laughs> take us in. Yes, take us in, please. We promise we're not murderers. <laughs> we'll be nice. <laughs> so this poor guy, this poor cop is put on this... <laughs> patrol to do a stakeout for this rapist and on may 25th 1988 he sees this other guy like lurking under a tree and he's like i bet that's the guy (laughs) so he takes off after him yes and man lurking under tree aka paul bernardo also takes off and is running and they lose each other in the chase I like to imagine cops' dinner conversation. <laughs> this is how I think about Honey, things. Honey, how was your day? Yeah. 
<laughs> and every day it's like nothing. I just watch the bus. Just watch the bus. <laughs> just watch the bus. And then he's like, <gasps> and he tells it like very harrowingly. Like, yes. and he's like, I'm gonna get laid. And then he's like, <laughs> as I'm reaching for him, and I'm just centimeters from grabbing his arm, he slips through my grasp and takes off, and I fall due to an errant tree branch. <laughs> Guys, remember, we laugh because it's our coping mechanism. Anyways, June 29th, 1991. Carla and Paul marry in their fairy tale wedding. (laughs) (laughs) They have the white carriage and everything, and they look like Ken and Barbie, and it's perfect. This beautiful white wedding. Meanwhile, down the street... Yes. Not far from there. What did they find? A local fisherman <laughs> finds concrete blocks on the shore. Jesus. He gets closer and he sees a foot mm. sticking out mm. of the block. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, hmm, mm. I may need to call police, eh? Eh? I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> what do you think about it? <laughs> so he goes and calls the police. They come and find multiple. Yep concrete blocks encasing several body parts that they believe all belong to the same woman so they the police are thinking they're suspecting that this is the body of a missing girl leslie mahaffey she'd been missing for two weeks and they initially had thought she was a runaway because i guess she had like been one of those girls that hadn't come home sometimes Mm -hmm. so her parents were like i don't know for sure if she ran away or not so i don't think that they took it as seriously right away right as they would the other missing people after obtaining leslie's dental records though they were able to id the body as leslie's the medical examiner was able to determine that she had been tortured and raped Hmm. april 26 1992 so almost a year later Another teen, Kristen French, goes missing in the area. She was abducted in broad-ass daylight. She's the one walking across the parking lot? Yep. So... Yep. It was like a church parking lot. Yeah. There Mm -hmm. were... The the kidnappers Mm -hmm. were brazen because they kidnapped her in front of people. There were several witnesses. But the witnesses couldn't get the vehicle right, so they couldn't pin down the person right away. They did a massive search, and it begins, and they look for 14 days and find nothing. On the 14th day, a man is driving down the road, and he sees the body of a young girl on the side. He calls police, and they arrive at the scene. They discover pretty quickly that she had been strangled, washed clean, and scrubbed. And and this was all after being violently sexually assaulted. And all of her hair had also been cut off. Yes, I did hear that. So even though the body wasn't found in concrete like Leslie's, they believe it was one dangerous stalker and killer accosting the small town. I'm interested to know why they thought that. Because I don't know that I would connect the dots right away if it's a completely different method of getting rid of... Because they don't have murderers in Canada. (laughs) So, like, it has to be the same fucker. Right? (laughs) Like, we don't breed that type. Right. Or, or did they just think, like, okay, the killer knows that that dumping method didn't work. Right. Because it washed ashore, right. so they're not going to do it again. I don't know. I don't know either. Whew. Um, around the same time as this, the Toronto P- police reach out to St. Catherine's police regarding the Scarborough rapist. 
They had a composite sketch of him from one of his victims, and so they released it to the public. And hundreds of people matched the composite description. So, like, people are like, I think this is my friend. I think this is my brother. (laughs) I think this is my teacher. And all these people are being called in. And so hundreds of people come into the station. They are questioned. They take DNA samples from all of them. At the time, though, remember it's 1992, so DNA technology was, like, super brand new. And they had one tech. I'm envisioning this small, statured girl, like, in this little lab coat that's like, oh my goodness, I thought of there were so many samples. What am I, what is my dinner conversation going to be? Yeah, when can I talk to my family? Like, this poor woman, that's just all I imagine. Like, all I did was test semen all day. I know. <laughs> like, how was your day? <laughs> well, I touched a lot of semen, Mom. <laughs> oh, God. A lot. A lot of semen. A lot of spit. Ugh. So, one of those samples that was given came from Paul Bernardo. Uh, he'd been brought in when a friend called saying he looked like the composite sketch. When he came in, he was extremely helpful. He was cooperative. He gave a DNA sample willingly. He even joked about him looking like the composite, and the police found him to be credible and charismatic, and he was not listed as a person of interest. <laughs> and they let him go. So all of this shit comes to a head when Paul physically attacks Carla in December of 1992. He severely beats her with a flashlight on her face, head, and hands, leaving her badly cut and bruised. You can look these pictures up online, trigger warning. I did. Don't do it if you... mm -mm. It is one of the most gruesome... I mean, when they say black, like, I've never seen... Black eyes. I'm talking, like, black. I've seen purple. Yeah, like, I've seen purple bruising. Like, whole black, perfect circle. It's the weirdest thing. It's frightening. I don't recommend doing it. We did. So Carla decides she's going to return to to work and when she does she just says i was in a really bad car accident guys. yeah and they were like oh and all they got was your face that like, what? That, like yeah that's specific yeah. right there in right your there eyes? just right there in your eyes just in your face like that yeah. and so her her co-workers are not buying it so they're super suspicious and they call carla's parents and of course carla's parents are instantly worried they go and they remove her from home and they think that they are saving her And she's, like, not willing to go with them. And she's, like, running back in. She's frantically searching the house for something. She's very adamant about staying there until she finds it. But they get her. They drag her out of the house to take her to the hospital. So at the hospital, of course, they have to document the abuse. And when they do that, they bring in the police. So the NRP questioned her. And she gave a statement. And she decides to file charges against Paul. Hmm. He was arrested and then released on his own recognizance. What does that even mean? I don't know what released on your own recognizance means. The fuck? I know. I feel like I should look I'll that look up. I'll look it up. Like only Paul. So released on your own recognizance means that you don't have to pay bail. He just signed a paper and left. Yeah. Signed a paper saying, I'll be back. Way to go, Ken. <laughs> I'll promise I'll be there. I'm not going to give you any money at all. So during this time... After two years of testing, they had ruled out every person who submitted a DNA sample for the Scarborough Rapist case. Everyone except Paul Bernardo, whose results were listed as inconclusive. The police bring in Carla, again, 
But she decides that her testimony is going to focus more on the abuse charges against her. And she does not give them info on any other questions that they're asking about the Scarborough rapes or the missing girls. Except that she had suspicions, is what she says. So after this, the police start looking into things more and they decide, Mm-mm, Carla, you're more a part of this than I think you're letting on. So they tell her, we're going to give you a deal. You have one week to accept it. This deal is that you get 12 years or you're going to go to trial and face charges of murder, the murder of Leslie and Kristen. So right away, she's like, nope, no, I'm going to start talking. And she talks like this. <laughs> it's it's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. The way she talks like a little tiny child. Talk about how she like dresses too. Well, she dresses like a little child too. Like she dresses very now... I have to say that she dresses like this during her interviews with the police. Yeah. Not later and not prior. No. Um, but it, she looks like um, Little House on the Prairie. Yes. And it's always in a French braid. And do you think that I could have this book for my sister? <laughs> what the fuck? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, she was, she was laying it on thick. She was. Yeah. She was. She was. So she is given the queen for a day deal with the condition that she's told the truth about every crime she's committed or been a party to. So she starts telling them all the things. And she says that after Paul had been questioned by the police for the rapes, he came home and he told her, the police are right, babe. I've been raping those girls. So she's terrified. And doesn't know what to do, according to her. Okay. This is, this is her her deposition to the police. Okay. She then talks about the first murder. I put first in air quotes. <laughs> she said that she was at home one evening when Paul came home with a terrified teenager named Leslie Mahaffey. She told a story of Paul repeatedly beating and raping the teen, sodomizing her, and then strangling her in front of Carla. Carla says she let this happen because Paul was beating her and she had no control over her life anymore and yeah. she was an unwilling participant. Right. Carla then goes on to talk about how Paul makes her a part of his fantasies and has her lure in the other murdered teen, Kristen French. So the couple goes out driving and they're initially out driving looking for stolen to steal license plates so that they I can like, catch that. get That's away crazy. with shit. Yeah. Murderpedia had that. Wow. <laughs> Murderpedia is like legit detailed. Like if yeah. you guys want every single bit of this case, go there. There's but they didn't have too. the tongue. They didn't have the tongue. No. Mm-mm. But it's, it's, there's a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they are out looking for stolen license plates when they spot Kristen French. So according to Carla, Paul sees her and says, that's the one. So they pull over in a nearby church parking lot. Carla gets out of the car, she has a map, and she pretends to be a lost tourist to get directions from Kristen. Paul then comes up behind her and pulls her into the car. Here's where Kristen is a badass bitch. I was going to say, I was just going to jump in with that. So Kristen is a badass bitch for so many reasons, but one being that she rips off part of the map Mm -hmm. and leaves it as a uh, clue, basically. And does she leave her shoe as well? And she leaves her shoe. Like, she's fucking thinking. Yeah. Like, like, so that people can have some clues as to where the fuck she went. and who, that She knows they're about to take her. Right. 
So, so Kristen is like really trying to think ahead, which I don't even know if I could in that, in that situation. No. So I say way, way badass. Yeah, for sure. Cause she was only 15. Yes. Who? Yes, exactly. Who thinks like that at 15 years old? Yeah. I so, wonder if part of, if the part of the map she ripped off was like of any significance or if it was just a part of the map that she was able to get a hold of. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that her, by leaving her shoe too, like this is where she was taken. Yeah. And like, hey guys, I didn't go away willingly. Yes, exactly. Somebody yeah. took me. Yeah. So they take her home where Paul again uses his victim like a sex slave. He beats her and rapes her before eventually strangling her and then dumping her body on the side of the road. They also, before that, as I mentioned earlier, washed her in the shower. They cut off all of her hair. Which they said yeah. was because she'd be less recognizable. To impede, yeah. What? Like, a te- detection of her yeah. identity. But cutting off your hair is not going to impede yeah. telling who you are. I know. I mean, they're just, they're idiots, but and in some ways, in some respects. She has been tested that she has a 132 IQ. So she's definitely yeah. smarter than that. So it was not because of that reason. Yeah. It That's was, another reason why I think she's like. It was demor- like de- to like. Demoralize. He- demoralize and, and yeah. humiliate. I'm Do you sure. Think they kept it as a trophy either too? I don't think they were like that. No. I think they had one thing they kept as trophies. Which I'm sure you'll get to. Yes. So Carla is talking to the police about all of this and she says, listen, if you don't believe me, that's fine. Because my stories can be corroborated by videotapes that Paul had taken of the rapes and murders. So, armed with this information that Carla gave, on February 2nd, the police arrest Paul at their home. Mm-hmm. A search warrant is executed for 71 days. <laughs> <laughs> like, that to me blew my mind. I was like, 71 days? Like, what are you doing in 71 days in yeah. one house? That's a lot of searching. That's a lot of searching. So, apparently, they weren't allowed to like open walls or make any kind of changes to the structure of the house. So they couldn't like, you know, yeah. Pull out walls or anything like that to, to look for things. So they find nothing. These tapes are just gone. Part of Carla, Carla's queen for a day deal was that she had to confess every crime that she's been a part of. So as they're finding all this information and evidence, she gets worried that they're going to find out. This is my own speculation. Mm-hmm. That's not what they said. I think she gets worried and is like, Paul's going to tell yeah. all the things we did. And then I'm going to lose this queen for a day deal. So I have to tell them everything. So she goes back to the police. Okay. And she says, there's another body that we didn't talk about. And the other murder that Paul had committed while she was there and was not a part of was none other than that of her sister, Tammy Homolka, her baby sister. So essentially, Tammy was Paul's first murder victim. This is when it gets fucking creepy. So apparently, the story that they told the police is not correct at all. Right. So since he was obsessed with Tammy, because she was still a virgin, and Carla was not when they were together, and she was probably getting older, Mm -hmm. and she was also too submissive. Yeah, because they met when she was 17. Right. She was way young. And so he, you know, coerces Carla into getting Tammy's virginity. Yeah. So it's December 24th and they just are, you know, they're done with their family celebration. They're going to go watch a movie downstairs. And so 
this is the time that, you know, they planned this big thing. And apparent I don't I don't know. I, I mean I think you can go both ways. Was it Paul pushing her or like coercing her or scaring her or whatever for Carla to do this? It's so hard for me to believe that she did this to her baby sister. I know. They drug her. She works at the vet clinic, and they put in her drink, what is it called? Well, they put Halcyon in her drink, and or she, Valium in her drink, sorry. Oh, she was, okay, so it was the Valium, and it mm-hmm. was, um, she didn't know how much for, like, a human, so she just, like, put a shit ton. Right. He rapes her, and they videotape the entire thing, because he gets off on the part right where he takes her virginity. Yeah. I think, for me... The hardest thing even past her death is when he makes Carla have sex with her. Oral sex. Right. And apparently Carla was like, no, 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 no. And he then made her and that's what's on the video. I don't know. I don't know if, I mean, I can, I can only speculate that she said fucking no. Yeah. Because it's her baby sister or just whatever. So... I just can't, I just can't, I can't, I just can't even wrap my head around it, which is why like, I can't even find my words because this is just so hard for me to believe. I read two different things and I'm sure that there's a million more out there, but she starts to vomit and choke on her own throw up. Yeah. So I heard one where they just walk away, Mm. just fucking walk away because they're like, well, I don't know what to do about this. And then, um, Oh, there's the the rag they put on her. It's because she starts to wake up. Yeah, so she starts to wake up, and Carla has more drugs from the vet clinic, and this is halothane, which is a liquid anesthetic. So it's something that they deliver to animals through, like, a gas mask. Right. I think she puts it on a rag. Yeah, so she puts it out on a rack and holds it over her mouth and nose, and that is shown in the video. And is that what burns her face? Mm-hmm. It's a chemical burn. I know this is hard. <laughs> Poor girl, she's been through I so know. much. I don't know if I can detail the other no, um, ones. I don't know. So, but this one's really important because it's her fucking sister. Yeah. Um, and it's how it all began. So okay, so then then I'm like, how can you just possibly let her just die and choke on her own vomit and walk away? Then I heard another account that they did try to like, you know, where you stick your finger and clear off yeah. the mouth and give CPR and nothing worked, and so they cleaned her up. And they put her in Carla's bed. Mm-hmm. And then they called the cops and did mm-hmm. all of these things. I mean, either way, it's so fucked up. Yeah. But I wonder, you know, it's more believable to me that they tried. Apparently, Paul's pissed because his night didn't go the way that he wanted it to go. Like, he's furious that this what? occurred. Um, and he's um, oh pouting about it. Right? And so, I, I feel like... It's hard for me to believe, even if you look on the video and she seems to be enjoying it, that she is. Because I feel like he is, you know, forcing her or gaslighting her or abusing her into doing it. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Maybe Carla's a sick fuck. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if I'm choosing sick fuck because I just don't want to believe that someone could be manipulated so far into that state. But I think... I mean, it obviously happened. I mean, and here, here's some things about Carla that lead me to believe that maybe Sarah's right. Their wedding was a couple, I don't know, weeks later or something, and mm-hmm. the parents really didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. 
And Carla fucking loses her shit over it. Yeah, it was six months later because it was December 24th yeah. and they got married in June. So, yeah. She is basically like, I- I'm your daughter. I'm the other. You don't love me. This, that, and the other. And they are like devastated over Tammy's death. And she is throwing a little temper tantrum mm-hmm. about the fact that her wedding is, you know, being overshadowed. Being overshadowed. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone gets pregnant and someone gets married and you yeah. like fight over who's overshadowing who, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. No, no. She's fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry, but. So, I mean, when Carla does that, to me, that also is another telltale sign that she's not right mm-hmm. in the head. Like at all, but she's very upset about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't we don't know exactly what happened, and we'll no. never get to see those videos. But yeah, so there has been a non-publishing agreement, I think, or non-publishing. I think with the parents, uh, right? Law mm-hmm. that they cannot publish those videos yeah. or yeah. anything like that at all ever. So none of the public is going as to it know. should be. Right, as, as it's it should like a, be. This... It's a fucking snuff film. Yes, like, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. We shouldn't be able to see it. I don't no. want to see it. No. I I'm sad. I would only want to see it to be able to see to I don't, Carla's her. face. Because right. for some reason I feel like I have this psychology degree that I can like see her <laughs> face and decide <laughs> what her intent was. <laughs> right away. Right away. Right off the bat. Because I'm gonna be a detective. Yes. If you didn't know. <laughs> You're gonna do it. Detective uh, Baumgartner. On top of her seventy two other jobs. Yes. <laughs> The bomb squad, <laughs> as Mike calls you Oh guys. my god. <laughs> oh, that's so Love funny. it. I do too. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, we needed that little. Uh, yes, we did. Yes, a little break that was, there. That, that was rough. Yes, we need a little break. <laughs> okay. <sighs> they call an ambulance. Whether or not they try to help her before yeah. that, we don't know. They call an ambulance, but they couldn't revive her, and she was pronounced dead at the hospital a short while later, like two hours later. So the little, the middle sister is upset the detective goes up to be with her this I I, this. yeah this is another one i watched today the detective Christ. goes up to be with her and then it's in that fucking moment that carla goes and disposes of the medicine and the rag and all of these other things so her sister unknowingly mm-hmm. gave her the time to yeah. dispose of the shit yeah <gasps> and then the hospital calls and says that she's dead oh my god yeah. why weren't they at the hospital with her i bet the parents went but they probably went along. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, Carla's spilling the tea. Right. She's, most of it. Yeah, spilling most of the tea to the police. And they know that the only way they can convict Paul without the tapes is with Carla's testimony. So they charge Paul with all three murders. Carla accepts the plea deal that they gave her. So she's going to serve the 12 years in exchange for her testimony. Summer of 95. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yep, signed, sealed, delivered. You can't go back on it. Okay. Word done. They can't do Mm -hmm. anything to turn that around. Right. Summer of 95, the trial begins. Carla testifies of the accounts. She repeats the story she's told the police, says she's an unwilling participant. She's the abused spouse, and she was scared of her husband. Then Paul gets on the stand. And Paul drops the bomb. (laughs) He says, yeah. I raped those girls, but I didn't kill them. That was Carla. He said she killed them because she was jealous and angry that Paul found them desirable. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. 
Really? I don't buy it. You I, don't think he's telling the truth? Mm-mm. I think he killed them because they saw, they knew who he was. And I know a lot of people think she's the killer. I do. I don't. I don't but know that's why. that's great that we're like at opposing I sides. I know. I know. And I'm pretty strong in it. Like, I don't think she was the killer. Um, and I don't know what is telling me that. Mm-hmm. Like, but there's just something that tells me like, yeah, she did it. Damn. I don't, I don't think so. Like. There's something else I read where she was like, I will get you all the virgins. Oh, I did. I did read that too. And then we'll get yeah. 50 more. Oh, so she's sick. Okay. But mm. I, I just, I don't know that, that she would want to murder more than him. If anything, they, they just did it together. Yeah. Which is another thing that blows my mind. But if you've been abused by this man, mm-hmm. like, are you enjoying, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. Because are you doing it because you're going to get abused more? Are you doing it because it makes him happy and you want him to love you? Mm-hmm. Mm. Are you doing it because you're your own sick fuck? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We all know that a dick can make us go a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> Not that crazy. Um, I mean a dick of a person. <laughs> Not like penisary contact oh my god but i just mean like a dick of a dude like that is amazing what just happened here (laughs) like that is so good paul tells his attorney dude this bitch is getting away with this shit yeah here's where the tapes are go get them so his defense attorney goes and gets these tapes they were behind a mirror or a a light fixture in the bathroom. He loved her so much. Mm-hmm. 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 He's like, selling the bitch up the water. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Well, she, he's probably pissed. She's like, got this yeah. 12, 12 year deal. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I mean, I was, but I didn't want to be. Honestly, guys, that sounds annoying, but look it up. Yeah. That's how, that's she, how talks. she sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they get these tapes. I think there's, like, so I don't have any details on this, but I believe that there's some kind of, like, legal debacle, too, because I think the defense attorney, like, holds on to them and doesn't tell the prosecution about them. So there's some sort of, like, legal battle that happens before these tapes are even, like, released. Mm -hmm. So I think his attorney, initial attorney, has to resign. They have to get him a new one because of this misconduct. Okay. So he comes in, and they decide that they can't use the video of these tapes because it's so fucking disturbing that they can't show it to people. But what do they do? Audio. And the audio, just the audio, causes the jurors to need therapy, mental health help. They are that fucked and traumatized from the audio. We're not even seeing what's happening. Just the audio. Like, what is he saying? Well, I bet you those... Mm. I was just thinking about what the girls are saying, but yeah, so the audio messes these people up so bad that they have to, like, get some help after the trial's over. I didn't see this until you and I started digging together. Did you see that little, like, headline that one of the jurors went and bought herself and another juror had or, um, earplugs? No. Because they couldn't get through the rest of it. I so did not. So they went not. and got earplugs because they couldn't listen to it. Now, these are the things that I need to, like, remember when I read Paul Bernardo talking about how he cries all day and every day in prison and I start to feel this twin tinge of... Fuck him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. So, after these tapes are found, they 
play the audio, and I'm not sure if like the lawyers get to see and the judge gets to see the video portion of it. Somebody has to see because they talk about Carla's face. They do. They do. And they they say that it's clear that Carla was not innocent at all. Yes. That she they, was enjoying it. Yeah. That they found on several tapes Carla sexually assaulting four victims, having sex with a sex worker from Atlantic City, which don't know what's that has to do with anything. I've never heard of that. Because if that's consensual, then who the fuck cares? Yeah. But this is another horrible thing, drugging an unconscious victim. Yeah. They do have a Jane Doe tape because this girl was underage. So they've never released her name. We don't know who she is, and I hope no one ever releases her name or finds out who she is because that would be horrible. Um, But she was an underage victim of theirs who apparently and again asterisk like we don't know what's true and what's not because every account of this is so fucking different yeah but this victim in particular that's jane doe was assaulted multiple times being like drugged and put under and doesn't remember any of these experiences i did read that and continues to be friends with these people and even attended their wedding paul and, and carla's wedding oh shit I did as not. a guest what because they still have no, they, I don't know, still, I'm not going to say still, but at that time had right. no idea right. that they had been sexually assaulted. They were just like, oh, I just must have gotten blackout drunk well, with I Carla think that and Paul she, that, If it's the girl that I'm thinking of, she wakes up and she's like, oh my God, she's embarrassed because she like feels as though she yeah. blacked out. Right. Like it was her home. fault. It yeah. goes home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So one of the tapes was also labeled... Paul, Kristen, and me. And there were hearts and flowers drawn all around the label. Oh, jeez. In that video, Carla is naked and she's instructing Kristen what to do. So again, like, we only have the context of what was happening. Because I can tell you, like, when we were watching Liberated, which is a documentary on Netflix, there were times when, like, these girls were saying things like, Oh, yeah, (laughs) it's so fun! And the words that were coming out of their mouth were saying that they were having fun and they were willing participants, but you could see in their faces that what was happening was not okay at all. So I, that's the thing where like, where you're saying, like, I think that she was abused into this and whatever, where I could see that. Yeah. Because we can't see her face. And if I could see her face, then I feel like I could tell. Right. And say like, she does not want to do this. And when I was watching the um, Hot Girls Wanted, same, same thing. Same thing. I know. Yeah. Facial expressions where it's like, I mean, it's, just, it's a job and it's making me money and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, their face is just so like, mm-hmm. I hate this. I hate this. And we can tell. Yeah. We can tell because we're women and mm-hmm. we've we know that's some fake of those, shit. Yeah. We we've been yeah. faking some of those things. So I don't know. We don't know. But these are very incriminating for Miss Carla. Yes, they are. But so nobody can t- do anything about anything now. No, she's she's done. Mm-hmm. She's good. She's living the life. The tape of Tammy's assault, mm-hmm. so her younger sister, showed even more shocking details. It shows Carla holding the halothane-soaked cloth over Tammy's mouth long enough to leave a chemical burn on her face. I feel like it's a long fucking time. I don't know anything about halothane. I don't either. Paul tried to um, say that he dragged her... Mm-hmm. And it was carpet burn. Yeah. Rug burn. And then the metal, medical examiner said, oh, it was stomach acid burn yeah. from her throwing up and it hitting her face. So, so they never investigated it. They never investigated Mm-mm. it. They took the, wor- the word of the couple as mm-hmm. is, and they accepted the death to be accidental. Yeah. Until Carla spilled the tea. 
Yuppers. Because of Carla's deal, she was sentenced to 12 years in prison. And when I say prison, it's not prison. Wasn't it 10 and then 2 for Tammy? Something like that. Was it? Oh, I don't know. I feel like that's how they broke it down. And no, it was not prison, people. Like, that's a vacation. Yeah. And if you want to look up Carla's prison pictures, you can. Please do. Because it is really, it's hard for us to describe. But the pictures of her look as if she's on vacation. Yeah. She's wearing clothes like you and I would wear. With heels and little dresses. Yeah. And yeah. It astounded me. Smiling. Yeah. Posing. Holding a kitten. Happy as a clam. I mean, seriously loving life. Yeah. yeah. What was it? Did you read something about her not wanting to leave? Right. She did not want to leave. Um, because she did. Oh, she could have been up for, for, for parole and she didn't do it. <laughs> I mean. Like, who does that? Yeah. Who's like, okay, Carla, you're up for parole. You can go to this hearing and try to get out of prison. And she's like, no, thanks. I'm good. Well, I'd be good there too. Yeah, if you they look call at these it, pictures, they call it club fed. Yeah, it's it's like bad. it's it's real, real bougie, mm-hmm. super bougie. Yeah. Like I kind of want to go there because I know they would give me a little bit of a break. I could sleep, but I ain't killing no money. No, but we could like Maybe we'll like rob a bank or something. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. With a water gun. With a water gun, exactly. Like pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> We want to go to Club Fed. I'm We're tired. <laughs> We're so tired. We just, we just want three square meals a day. <laughs> Somebody else cooking them and a nap. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it was. She was a gardener. She yeah. was like going to dances, it looks like. I don't fucking know. On May 18th, 1993, Homolka was arraigned on two counts of manslaughter mm-hmm. and sentenced to 12 years. Bernardo was charged with two counts each of kidnapping unlawful confinement, aggravated sexual assault, and first-degree murder, as well as one charge of dismemberment. Yes. He was sentenced to life in prison and considered a dangerous offender, which is Canada's harshest sentence. So even if he does come up for parole, because he's been labeled as a dangerous offender, his likelihood of getting parole is very slim. Thank the good Lord. Well, now Paul thinks he went to therapy and he worked out all these issues. Oh, yeah. He thinks he's cured. He thinks thinks he's he's cured and fine and good. One um, psychiatrist said that he had malignant narcissistic personality disorder. I'd never heard of that before. No, me either. Obviously, I've heard of narcissistic personality disorder, but never malignant. And that just basically means Dude, that that's you, like cancer. Exactly. <laughs> like you take pleasure that is in the sadism towards others and you always want your sex to be violent and you take pleasure in that. So that is not a diagnosis that was ever actually given to him. That was just like someone reading the story and meeting him and, and speculating. Say, speculating. Sure. So Paul is in prison. Yes. I just read a little article article about him and felt bad for him for about 3.2 seconds um, because he says he cries all the day all the time and understands that what he did now was bad and he's so remorseful and whatever i don't fucking know yada, yada, yada. yeah but yeah miss carla mm. mm-hmm. so miss carla after being in this like swank ass place that well so first before that she gets released the canadians are pissed yeah. The pictures get leaked and she gets moved right. to a federal prison, which somehow she still does her crazy ass shit and she gets another boyfriend, a different boyfriend. How do you have a boyfriend in They prison? said that she would go up to the fence 
and they would like that was a loose fence and they would exchange she would give him his her underwear and they would do like sexual acts to each other there through the fence through a loose fence. <laughs> I, don't know what that means. <laughs> I think it's really funny that I keep saying loose. <laughs> I know. So, like, what does she do? Just turn around and back up to the fence, and he like just whips it out. I and... don't know. I don't know. Yikes! I would imagine maybe something with her hand. Yeah. I don't know. So she's got this boyfriend in there. Anyways, this is maximum security. I apparently. Okay, so I've never seen a circumstance where men and women are that close to one another. Yeah, I just think that Canada doesn't do well with this because they don't have this many bad people. Because they're so nice. They're so nice. So Carla is released in 2005. Just straight up released. Um, She has since remarried and has three children. It is very hard for me to wrap my head around that. I'm like devastated for those kids. For so many reasons. I mean, I know they changed their name, but they'll they'll always be her kids and people will find out about it and, you know, yeah, forever. I hope to God that she's not, like, hurting them. Yeah. She, um, and Sarah told me this because I was like, who the fuck married her? (laughs) (laughs) It was her attorney's brother. (laughs) Like, yeah. I mean, you know. This is a doozy of a case, and I feel like you could probably deep dive like we did and just, like, really never stop because it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, and everybody has an opinion. There's so much information on this case. It's out there. Yeah. But it hasn't been covered by a lot of podcasts or... Right. Like, I am an avid Dateline watcher. I don't remember this ever being on Dateline. I don't think it was, and I and I don't understand it. Maybe... No, because they cover other out-of-state things, or out-of-country things. So, I don't know. I'm not sure why. I mean, it is, it's a doozy to talk about, but so are a lot of other murders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just to reiterate, any laughter that you've heard from Sarah and I is not about raping and no, murdering. It is pure uncomfortableness. Yeah, and it's just kind of how we handle it. Um, this is a very devastating case. Very sad, horrible situation, but... Again, the question remains, do murderers find each other, Mm -hmm. or does one make the other one a murderer? Mm. Or, my new theory, everybody has the ability, and if you find the right match, yeah, literally. So scary. I'm going to leave you with one thing. Carla has changed her name to Leanne Bordelais. The end. You do with that what you wish. Hope you enjoyed this very different episode from the Unqualified Therapist. Um, Unqualified Detectives. (laughs) Until I become qualified (laughs) and I solve all the crime in the the world. So, yeah, until then. (laughs) Yeah. Stay safe. Stay safe. And if somebody asks you to give them access to your younger sister because she's a virgin and you're not, run! Run yeah, like and, the and wind. if some man pulls up in a car and offers mm. you a cigarette, run! <laughs> run like the wind. If some woman asks you for directions, <laughs> run! <laughs> run like the wind. <laughs> and that advice comes free with the podcast. So, <laughs> thank you so much. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.
This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Production and editing for this podcast by Sarah Simone. If you have a topic around mental health that's been weighing on you, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. You can find lots of bonus content, including exclusive episodes on our Patreon at patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. We are thankful beyond measure for your support there. Patreon and Google and Apple podcast reviews are how we can continue to bring you episodes just like this. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Until next week, warriors, remember to hold on. We're gonna make it.